Welcome to Boldly Lit and On Fire Podcast. My name is Jordani McCoy, also known as Coach Donnie. This podcast was created to deliver enormous value for my tribe. These are people that desire to live a life they are boldly lit and on fire about. And for those that currently live a little life and want even more clarity, certainty, and creativity. My tribe takes radical responsibility for their lives and value the feeling of excitement, expansion, and emotional freedom. Together, we are on the love train, baby, with the purpose of self-love and love for others. So let's get this party started. Hello, 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 boldly lit and on fire. Oh my God, it is time to roll out the red carpet. What's the longest red carpet you have? (laughs) I said, because who I have with me today, all right, guys, I'm going to try to say this in one breath. Give me grace. He is an award-winning entrepreneur, a TEDx speaker, a baconitarian, a funky socks wearer, a former rapper, and an author of the number one selling book, Prison Break. And a man that has mentored me, coached me, and has been such an inspiration in my life. Jason Goldberg! Woo! I'm so freaking stoked. This is like, I've been looking for this. (laughs) All right. This is already my favorite thing ever. Oh, Jason, 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 thank you for coming. And thank you for I'm having gonna... me, Donnie. Thank you so much for having me. You're a rock star and I adore you and you know that. So thank, thank you for having you, me. Thank you. Thank you. Guys, I washed my hair for this one, okay? What? I did not. <laughs> no, actually, I did. I, did. I, I washed it. It's just, you know, you know gel. How about that? Yeah. Like, that is, that is uh, hey, hey, that's awesome. That is awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> no, but um, no, thank you for being here with us today. And whoever is listening, I can promise you that you're going to get nuggets on top of nuggets on top of nuggets. So this is the place you want to be right now. That made me hungry when you said that, just so you know, when you said nuggets on top of nuggets, I just see like chicken nuggets just falling from the sky and being dipped into like sweet and sour sauce. I just saw it all flying in. I hear you. I hear you. With the bacon or without the bacon? Wrapped, Wrapped in bacon. Okay. Got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. You know, there was one thing that I missed in your intro here Uh and it's in your book and you're a possibilitarian too. I am the church, the church of possibilities. Yes. The church of possibilities. Preach. <laughs> it's like, Lord Jesus, what is this man? Not okay. <laughs> I got problems, Donnie. I'm hoping this is a coaching session. I'm hoping you're going to coach me. No, you're great. We love you exactly the way you are. All your problems and everything and everything. <laughs> so Jason, I know a lot about you because I pretty much you're on a podcast I listened to it I read your books I did this I did that I'm in your group you always say that the first time you read a book it's just for information I believe and then the second time it's for transformation and the third time hold up is for crystallization boom yes Yes. so information and transformation that's that's Steve Chandler Steve Chandler always says you read something once for information twice for transformation I added in three times for crystallization there you go there you go okay So I read Prison Break again. And you know what? 
it was a completely different experience. Interesting. Yeah. Like I read it before, maybe even a couple months ago. And now I read it again and I want to go into prison break a little bit and, you know, talk about some things that you mentioned in the book, but that is your transformation story, correct? Yeah. It's a big part of it. Yes. Okay. 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 There is a chapter in there and I believe it's chapter two. And you say, like, if there's any chapter that you read or, you know, if if you can only read one chapter and this is it. Right. And that's when you read the letter. Yep. Right. And you read it forwards and backwards. So can you tell us a little bit about that and how you feel about it and just highlight a little bit more so they can understand? Yeah, for sure. So it's so the, the chapter you're talking about, it's actually funny. It's the only thing in the book that I didn't write which is the most amazing thing, right? So it's, it's literally, there was a, a girl, she was, at the time when she wrote it, I want to say she was 15 or 16. I, I can't remember now, 15 or 16 years old. This little girl by the name of Channy Gorkin, I guess teenage girl, but to, to me, I'm an old man now. So little girl, she wrote this poem and the poem is called The Worst Day Ever. And so when you read it, it's just this like sad, depressing, debilitating, despair-filled thing that just talks about how screwed up the world is and how nothing good happens and everything's out of my control. And it's just really, really sad. And then you get to the end. And if you read the same poem again, but you read it from the bottom to the top, it changes the entire meaning. All the exact same words, all the exact same situation, the exact same arrangement. But when you literally, literally flip the script and read it from the bottom to the top, it becomes this lovely, optimistic, hopeful, joyful, possibility-filled poem. And so when I first came across this poem, I was just like blown away. Because to me, as I was writing the book and I was putting stuff together, I'm like, uh, I'm always on the lookout for for stories and things that I can share that illustrate the point. And I came across this. And so I reached out to uh, to this girl's mother. And I told her, I said, here's my own transformation story. Here's some of what I've been through. Here is, you know, how my life used to look and how it looks now. And here's what this poem that your daughter wrote means to me, how it really affected me and impacted me. And I would love to put it in my book. And, but I want to get your permission. And so she went back to her daughter and her, her daughter was like, I'm to- this freaking teenage girl. She's like, yeah, she, he can totally use it in his book as long as he donates money to this charity that I, that I love and I'm a part of. I'm like, yo. You got it. No problem. So donated to the charity. They gave me permission. I send them copies of the book afterwards. And I'm still actually in contact with her mother. Her mother will like post on my Facebook stuff sometimes. And uh, yeah, they're just an amazing family. I'm so grateful that they let me use that poem. But definitely like either in, in Prison Break or try to find it online, Channy Gorkin, worst, worst Day Ever. It just illustrates so beautifully how if we use the exact same eyes and just use a different lens to process the situations in front of us, we can have an entirely different experience of life. Yes, I love that. I love that. And you know what my greatest takeaway was? And something you mentioned, I didn't catch this on the first time when I read the book. I just, I was looking from a whole different set of lenses. Creativity is greater than circumstance. I love how you gave the Latin definition of circumstance. Standing around. Yep. Yeah, the, the actual breakdown of the word circum and stance literally equates to, translates to standing around. So the premise of the book Prison Break is that at any given moment, you can be a prisoner of circumstance, a, a victim of your situation, a victim to your circumstances, or you can be a self-leader where you really take ownership and you take personal responsibility for the way you show up in the world and knowing there are certain things that you can control, that you can influence, and there are other things you cannot, and the ways that you can navigate those things in a moment-by-moment basis. And so circumstance, as far as standing around, circumstance is what 
prisoners typically rely on to be happy or if they're sad, it's all circumstance-based. Our entire experience of life when we are in prisoner mode is based off of what's going on in the economy, who's in the White House, the song on the radio that reminds you of your ex. Everything dictates your happiness or sadness. And so it essentially is living in a state of relying on circumstance or being a bystander to life. So instead of using life, we end up being used by life. And so that's kind of the thing is to understand that no matter what circumstance you're facing, there's no situation, there's no challenge, there's no obstacle that when overloaded with creativity, overwhelmed with creativity, can't be solved. It's, it's just, it's so simple. It used to, the mantra used to be creativity trumps circumstance, but I changed it for obvious reasons a few years ago. Uh, so now it is, it is creativity is greater than circumstance because I truly, truly believe that it's one of my core mantras. Nice. You said something that you want, you don't want to be used by life. Yeah. What do you mean by that? This is such a perfect, it's a perfect illustration of what happens when we are in prisoner mode versus being in self-leader mode. And, and by the way, I just want to preface this really quickly. I don't know about prisoner stuff because I like did a bunch of research. This is like my default for the first 30 years of my life was just to be in prisoner mode. It's just kind of the way I was raised and the way I was brought up and, and, and just kind of what I learned. And so that's how I showed up. And so when I talk about this kind of prisoner perspective, it's not a personality disorder. It's not something in your genetics. It's not like a, a vestigial tale or something that you're born with that you're just kind of stuck with. It's simply a, a system of thinking, a system of thought. And, and so that is kind of my, my goal here is to make sure that any given moment, I am trying my best to, to approach these things through the lens of being a self-leader instead of a prisoner. So language is so important in, in being a self-leader. And what a lot of people feel, myself included, when I'm in my prisoner moments, which still happen, by the way, is I feel like I'm being used by life. So I wake up every day and life is just ready to punch me in the face or ready to like punch me in the gut or ready to like throw me another challenge where I can say like, seriously, can I just get a break? Like, what is going on here? Why does life keep doing this to me? And the shift into being a self-leader is to start using the language of intention. And there's this really beautiful question that I love to ask is, how do you intend to use your life? right? How do you intend to use your life? So if your life was a tool for creativity, for creation, for service, for possibilities, for whatever it is, if everything that you are facing every single day, whether it's people or situations or whatever, if these are all things that you are meant to take in as fuel and then turn into output into the world, what do you intend to use your life for, right? How do you intend to use your life? And that is completely counter to waking up every day and saying, oh, here's another day where life is going to use me. So it's, it's a very small shift. And it feels when you first get introduced to this kind of thing, when I first got introduced to this kind of thing, it made no sense to me. Like, how do you intend to use your life? Like, what are you talking about? Like, I'm just trying to get by. Like, day by day, I'm just trying to make it. I'm just trying. When I wake up in the morning, I'm just trying to make it to bed at night. Like, that's all I have on my mind. And unfortunately, it, it's fine if you do that. There's nothing wrong with that. You're not a bad person for doing that. The challenge is, is that at what point do you get to be happy? At what point are you allowing yourself to be peaceful? At what point are you allowed to actually enjoy the blip of time that we have on this planet? And so that's where if you are willing to start asking yourself, even if it doesn't land initially, okay, I'm waking up today. I have whatever faculties I have. I have whatever senses I have. I have whatever intelligence I have. I have whatever money I have. I have whatever time I have. I have whatever connections I have. I have whatever job I have. Given what I have, given the conditions of the game that I'm playing right now, how do I intend to use my life? Mm, I love that. That's a powerful question. 
That's a game changer. That's yeah. a game changer question. So this is good, right? This is really, really good. Look at we're on opposite the, the tables turn. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. This is wow. So what's the difference between how do you intend to use your life versus purpose? Because so many people have been lately coming to me regarding purpose. Purpose. Yeah. Purpose. Yeah, sure. That's so, some of these people are going to be listening. <laughs> Guys, yeah. look at, look at, I'm making, I'm making our money work. Okay. I'm making our money work. <laughs> She's doing this for all y'all. She's doing it for you. Oh my God. <laughs> I think, I think there's a lot of alignment between those two ideas. The only difference, and it's not necessarily, it doesn't, it's not necessarily a difference, but where there could be a difference is for me at least, sometimes in the past, and even sometimes now, I have a weird relationship with purpose, with the, with the, the, the concept of purpose, just because it feels very big and very pervasive and very like, it's something that a lot of people, myself included, it's very easy to start feeling guilty. Like, well, why don't I have a big, this person wants to impact 5 million lives with their app. And this person wants to touch a billion people in the healthcare system. And I'm just like, yeah, I, like I cleaned my dishes this morning and that, that's a win. That's, that's cool. I don't really know what my, my purpose is. And so for the people that have that, they feel this like deep seated thing. Like I need to revamp prison reform. I need to be a, a leader in prison reform. I, I love that. I love that there are people that are so clear on what that thing is for the rest of us. How do I intend to use my life is a daily question. It's an hourly question. It is a minute by minute question. And I can deal with that, right? Because if my purpose, like right now, for example, my purpose is to be as fully present with you as possible. Nothing else matters. There could be, the bank could be seizing all of my money. Um, God forbid my mom could have like a terrible flu or something right now that I don't know about. God forbid, knock on wood, I'm a Jew. I gotta be careful. All these different things could be happening around me, but none of them matter because my purpose right now is to be present with you. So for anybody who's struggling with like, I don't know my big purpose, first thing is, your purpose can be moment by moment, right? Your purpose can just be your focus. Your purpose can be where you channel your energy in this moment. And for the bigger purpose, if you are looking for something that's a bigger purpose kind of thing, what I have shifted into is that it's less of a, of a possession and more of a journey. It's less of an outcome and more of a journey. So where some people say, I want to touch a billion lives, that's an outcome that's beautiful. For me, I always say, I want to lead everybody I meet with at least 5% more joy than I found them. That's a process. I'm going to get out there every day and I'm going to do that. And I'll never know if I'm done. I can't, there is no number, right? That person hits a billion, maybe they go for 2 billion, but I don't have a number. So for me, I like to tell people like, find the thing that really lights you up. Find the way that you best serve people. Find what it is that you activate within other people and then figure out day by day, moment by moment, how to do as much of that as you can. I love that. Okay. So how you want to live your life is like, moment by moment, but then purpose can also be moment by moment as well. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah. As long as it's effective for you, like there's no, there's no rules to any of this stuff. Like everybody likes to put up rules. And of course there, you know, there are gurus who tell you the rules for happiness and the laws for success and all this stuff. And all this stuff is great. I don't have any problem with any of that stuff as long as it works for you. Right. But if it feels like it doesn't work for you, then like, there's some way for everybody to be happy. You don't have to do anything the way tell, people tell you to do it. There's a way for you to do it in your way, but you have to be open to being a secret of finding that. I hope you guys got that because that was a good one. <laughs> I love your narration. Your narration off to the side is my favorite thing in the world. That is my new favorite thing. Hey, hey, I'm working for you guys. I'm working, I'm working, okay? 
Love it. So, you know, in the book, second time in the book, and I'm really now kind of looking at it from a different, different perspective. And then there was one chapter that I, at first, I had a little resistance towards, and it was, your intuition is drunk. I knew that was the one you were going to say. Yeah. And I was like, wait, 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 what? But that is gold. Yeah. So... Tell us a little bit about your intuition is drunk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's funny. It's, it's, that's the one that most people have the issue with. Like almost everybody that mentions that chapter to me says, you know, at first I wasn't sure about that chapter. I had some resistance to that because intuition, that's what guides everything that I do. And shut up. And I have Rose Course that will disagree with you. And, and, and I'm like, cool, I get it. It's fine. So it's actually interesting because that is my favorite chapter in the book in so much as it's the one that I go back to the most, like for myself. And it's actually the one that, and and for anybody who has written a book or actually anybody who's really done anything, even in their jobs or whatever, you'll notice that as you progress and you start to learn more and you grow more, that you'll actually, you'll evolve what you think about things in general. Your perspectives evolve, you have paradigm shifts, you have whatever you have. The reason I say that is because that chapter kind of illustrates where my mind went after I wrote Prison Break and how my own mindset has continued to evolve and what I've focused on. That was like the one chapter that really started touching on what my next level of of evolution was. The premise behind your intuition is drunk is that a lot of people want to listen to their intuition and that's great. And people who are really tapped in their intuition, I think that's amazing. The challenge is that the, the, the quality of messages that come from what we think is our intuition are directly dependent upon the, the thoughts that are going on in our heads that are affecting the emotions that we feel. So we, we live, I truly believe this, we live in the feeling of our thinking, right? So if you want to be mad, you have to think mad thoughts, right? If I told you right now, like, Donnie, get as mad as possible, you wouldn't just like grit your face. You'd have to think of something that really pissed you off and then you would get, you would get upset, right? So thoughts then lead into emotions. So the challenge becomes is that if I am in a place where I am down, I'm, I'm low on the ladder as we were talking about, low level of consciousness, I don't have access to my most creative self, I don't have access to love or possibilities or, or, or optimism or any of those things because I'm just low and we all know what this feels like, just like low moods, like we all get into these. It's very, very unrealistic to think that asking our inner guide for advice when we're in that state is going to render something that's actually helpful. And what it typically resembles instead in the story, kind of the the illustration that I have in the book there is imagine you have a mentor in your life. And this mentor could be a friend, a coach, an uncle, a a mom, uh, a pastor, whoever, just somebody who's a mentor in your life. Probably shouldn't have said pastor given what I'm about to say. But anyways, let's just say there's somebody in your life who's like a really, really good person for you, right? They always give you good advice. They're always there for you. They always have your back. And then you're going through this really, really dark time, this dark period, and you need help and you go to them and you go to ask for their assistance. And when you walk in the door to ask them for help, you see them like on the floor drunk, just completely just obliterated drunk. And if you don't like drunk, let's just say they're sick. They have like a really bad sickness. They have pneumonia. They have something going on. They're just kind of incapacitated. You would never in a million years say, hey, a drunk best friend, I have some really bad problems. I need your advice. Because they'd be like, screw it all. You should just move to India and live in an ashram and I'm going to date your girlfriend. And you'd be like, oh, okay, that's a little strange. Uh, But that's what we do when we're in a low mood and then we try to ask our intuition for guidance. It's going to give us shit advice. And then we we feel even worse. So what we want to do instead is we want to treat when we're feeling down on ourselves, 
We don't want to ask ourselves for advice. We want to instead do for ourselves what we would do for that person in our lives who is drunk or sick, who's normally there for us. We would turn the tables and be there for them. And we would say, what do you need from me right now? How can I help you? Let me, let me pick you up and put you on the chair. Let me get you some water. Let me make sure you're taken care of. And that's the self-love we need to give to ourselves when we're down. And once we do that, and once we sober up, as it were, and we start raising up the ladder of consciousness, then if we want to ask our intuition what it is we should do, then if we want to ask our inner wisdom where we should go next, the answers we are going to get are going to illuminate a path for us instead of taking us down into a deeper pit of despair. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Absolutely. And there's one of the things that I coach people on has to do with energy and how judgment has such a heavier energy than compassion does. Oh, yeah. Right? It's crazy. So that chapter really, really resonated with me because I felt like the last maybe couple months, there was one time I was not at the top of the ladder, you know? <laughs> only once and, for you. It happens to me weekly. So good right, for you. Exactly. Once, yeah. exactly. No, it's more than once, but I just wasn't at the top of the ladder. And it's so funny. I looked at myself and I was like, I just want to hear you're doing a good job. And I was like, whoa, that was crazy. It was beautiful, but crazy, you know? Yeah. And, 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 that's the, and that's the shit. That's what it takes is not being in resistance to what you feel. And, right. and that's, that's one of the things that I think we do as a, as a human race. We are so good at beating ourselves up. I'm really good. I, I challenge anybody to beat themselves up as well as I beat myself up. And there's this interesting phenomenon that we think that if we resist and try to fight away our heavy emotions, they'll go away faster. But if you were to walk up to somebody on the street, a random person and say, Hey, can you please put your hand up in the air? And let's say they comply and they do it. And you ask them permission. Hey, can I touch your hand with my hand? And they say, sure, no problem. And their hands up and you take your hand and you push your hand against theirs without saying anything. They're going to push back without you saying anything at all. As soon as you push against somebody's hand, it pushes back. So as soon as you're in resistance to your heavy emotions, they have no choice but to fight back. It's what they do. And so what I want to do whenever possible, and this is where another one of the tools comes in that I, I really love, and I actually created this tool after I wrote the book, so I didn't make it in the book, but they're called PBQs, these prison break questions, right? And prison break questions are questions that are incisive, introspective, simple questions that do not solve your problem, but hopefully make your problem no longer problematic. And so when I'm in that place of being really, really down on myself, and I just, this is like a week ago, I just did this exact exercise again on myself. I've been doing it for years. And this originally came out of me being really down on myself one day, several years ago. It's when I was living in North Carolina and I was just really, really just beating myself up. And I was like, I'll go on a walk and that'll fix it. So I go on a walk, nothing happens, still feeling it all. Okay. I'll reframe it, try to reframe it. Nothing's sticking. Everything just feels super, super heavy. And so I asked myself this question, prison break questions have kind of a format. And the format is, if I knew, what would I do? Right? If I knew, what would I do? So this question occurs to me as I'm walking and I say, okay, if I knew that all of these feelings of stress and anxiety and sadness were going to magically disappear in 10 minutes, like I was going to feel them hardcore for 10 minutes, but at minute number 11, they would just vanish on their own. How would I treat myself for the next 10 minutes? Okay. If I knew all this stuff was going to magically disappear in 11 minutes, how would I treat myself for the next 10 minutes? And when I tuned into that and I asked myself that question, I said, well, I mean, if I knew it was going to go away and I didn't have to fight it and I didn't have to push it away, I didn't have to reframe anything, I didn't have to do any work, I guess I would just be really gentle with myself and really compassionate 
towards myself for the next 10 minutes. And when I, when I came to that conclusion, it literally took a matter of a couple of minutes and everything started feeling so much lighter. Immediately, all of the heaviness started to lift. It didn't all go away magically, but it all started to lift. It was because I was no longer in resistance. I was no longer judging what I was feeling and instead just allowing myself to feel it. And so it moved through me so much faster. That's, yes, I love that. that, that and that, that was a beautiful explanation. So we know about the book and yeah. anyone listening, there's certain books that if we read no other books, we can read that book over and over and over again, and it can help us get through life. And for me, Prison Break is one of them. Thank you, Donnie. I appreciate so, it. You're Thank very, you very welcome. It really, really, really is. So um, so we have the book and we have everything that I listed. So what else is going on? Like, what are you boldly lit and on fire about now? What are your future plans? I want to hear them. I want you to share them because the world needs to know. Which is the two of us, right? I can share private stuff. It's just the yes, two of us. Yes, no, yes, 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 so, Well, so, so you know, you know this already that I just moved into a new place. And one of the reasons I moved into a new place, I'm actually in the, the new place now. That's why it's so freaking echoey because I'm still moving in and getting everything ready is I, uh, I moved into this place so I could set up a studio here because there are a couple of different shows that I'm working on. One that's actually a, like, um, it, it would be a streaming show. So it involves a production company and stuff. But one of them is one I would just do here in, in my home. And that's the stuff I'm really excited about. So both of those shows would basically be a, an intersection, a combination of all the things I love and a lot of the same things you love as well. Personal growth, you know, spirituality, uh, hip hop and comedy. And these are the things that I love. And so these things are all being brought together. And so we, I'm going to be putting together a couple different shows that will hopefully position human optimization, human flourishing in a way that it's never been positioned, uh, at least not that I know of before. So that I'm really, really excited about. It's completely outside the realm of like the core elements of a lot of my business, but it's what fully lights me up. Like that's the thing I would pay to do versus needing to get paid to do it. Nice. So are you going to be filming this in your house? So yeah, so there, the show that'll be here will be an interview-based show. So kind of like a video podcast. The other one is more an out-in-the-world uh, show with a lot, more, a lot more production value and things that we need to do. And I can't give away any of the secrets of that because it's in process. But, uh, but that could be really, really, that should be really, really cool as well. We were working on it before the pandemic hit. Uh, and then, of course, in the pandemic hit, we had to kind of pause things. But, uh, but I'm excited and we have some really good people on board. So I think it's going to be a really awesome thing. Mm, so what, what sparked that? Because... That's totally different than what you're doing now, which I love. I love. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, tell me more. I want to know. I'm nosy. Yeah. So it, well, it's interesting because it's, it's, it's different than my core business because my main core business is, is helping coaches build their businesses online. But it's, it's no different when you think about how I show up or what gets infused into everything that I do. So, you know, the first time we actually met in person uh, at Nicole's event, when I was speaking at Nicole's event, you know, I came on stage lip syncing to Drake. And, and there were there and there was comedy and there was personal growth. Like this is just what I love and it gets infused into everything I do. I'm just making it more of a purposeful thing as, as a front, as an actual thing on its own, as opposed to being elements of a thing. So to me, this is where I really truly believe, and we hear this time and time again from the people that, that work with us, is a lot of people have been told for some reason that the things that they love, the things that are quirky about them, the things that their best friends make fun of them for, or just know like, oh, that's, that's definitely something Donnie would do. That's definitely something Donnie would say. That's such a Donnie thing to do. Like those things we feel, or we are told, or we are taught that that doesn't have a place in how we show up in the world professionally, let's say. Maybe personally it does, professionally, no way. 
And I think that's complete BS. Like I totally, I think nothing can be further from the truth. I think especially nowadays, we are in a connection economy. We went through the, the industrial age. We went through the information age. We went through the knowledge worker age. We've been through all those things, the technological age. We've been through all those. We are in the connection economy. And the connection economy essentially says that the way you make people feel is the, is the biggest currency, the, the most valuable currency that you have. And so for us not to figure out ways to integrate all the things we love in service of helping others in whatever way we help others, it's doing an actual disservice. So I don't care if you're an insurance agent or you work at you know Starbucks or you have a coaching business. I don't care what it is you do. There are ways for you to inject who you are into the equation, what you know we call the hangout factor, your Hoff, your hangout factor. There are ways to inject that in. And not only is it going to help whatever it is you do land and resonate more with the people you're most meant to serve, but it just feels better for you because you feel like you're being fully expressed. You feel like you're being boldly lit and on fire when you're not hiding parts of yourself because you think those things have no place in what you're doing professionally. You know, that's funny. When I first started doing lives and telling the world I'm coaching, the people I was most concerned about, about their opinion, were the people that I used to work with. And the funny part is that, do you know... That's why, yeah, your intuition when you're on low level thinking, right? When you have low, low quality thoughts, it's off. Because do you know that those were the people that supported me the most in the beginning? They would come up to me and say, oh my God, I love your videos. They're so positive. And at first I was so uncomfortable. I was like, oh my God, shut up. Don't talk to me about it. Shut up. I don't want to know. And then there was a video that I did at Nicole's event. Yeah. And someone, I think it was Tiffany, she went on stage and she had us do like some like really gutsy thing, you know, yeah. and I started crying. Oh, Lord, I even hate talking about it. And there was someone I had a call with uh, maybe a couple months ago and she goes, I'll never forget that video. It really impacted me. And wow. I was on the phone cringing. I, I was cringing when she was talking about it. I was like, oh, yeah. but you're right. Right. So if, if it would, if it would have just been about me at that moment, then they wouldn't have seen the positive video. She wouldn't have felt the connection and thought to herself, wow, I'm going through the same thing. Yeah. So yeah, no, I totally get that. In the beginning, I used to think that that was kind of like mumbo jumbo, yeah. but it's real. Well, and, and here, here's why it's even more important to do that now. And by the way, I'm so happy you did that. That was, well, that was the bully exercise, wasn't it? Is that what that was? Yeah, that was, that was, yeah, that was edgy. Here's why that's even more important is that we are in a society now, especially with social media, where we're watching people's highlight reels, right? It's all about the highlight reel. It's all about, you know, the perfect acai bowl and, 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 and the stupid picture of the arm back with the boyfriend grabbing the arm. I'm so sick of those damn things. Uh, no, they're adorable. But, but we just, we live in this fabricated world. And so what happens is, is that people who are not living that life feel even more disconnected from life, from reality, because they feel like, well, something must be wrong with me that I'm not living my life in that way. So as soon, as soon as somebody shows up with some authenticity, as soon as somebody shows up with some realness, what happens is it gives that person uh, a sense of them not being alone in the world. Because when you show up and you share what's really going on for yourself in, in service of others, somebody else watches that and says, oh my God, I'm not the only one that thinks that. And if you're in these circles, like the personal growth circles or the coaching circles, you have access to people like this all day, every day. The majority of people are not surrounded by people that think the way we think or the people listening to this podcast think. They are really, really disconnected from that and have no idea where to even go. Social media is a place they can go to easily find people, but we need to be the people to show them they are not alone, that they can see themselves in us 
and that it means if there's something that we're sharing that's valid, that it's valid for them to be feeling. And I'm telling you, the one thing I think is missing more than anything in this world is people actually having their experience validated, right? Just like what you're feeling is not wrong. It's not bad. You're not stupid. You shouldn't not be feeling it. Uh, you're not alone. Like you just need to be heard and seen for what it is you're feeling and validated for feeling those things. And you sharing yourself authentically does all of those things, even if you need, never meet that person in real life ever. Yeah, no, I, I get it. I totally get it. There was a, a live that you did. And that was, I think, my deciding factor to join the group. And and it was a very, it was just so raw. It was so real. And you were like, look, man, I got to follow my heart. I got to do what I got to do. I don't know what's going to happen, but this is this is it. And I felt it. I felt it. And you feel that connection. And, you know, I've heard this so many times, so many times that we are right now in a disconnected kind of world. And now probably even more. Mm -hmm. It's huge right now, especially with people being, you know, quarantined and stay at home orders and all that stuff. And, And this is not and this is not new. I mean, there's actually there's a TEDx talk about this somewhere, or maybe it's a TED talk. I think it's a TEDx, but it's, it's a, it's a talk where they, I think the title of the talk is the opposite of addiction is connection, Mm. right? The opposite of addiction is connection. The reason people go into addictive personalities and they go into abusing drugs and alcohol, it's not because they want to feel like crap and it's not because they want to actually abuse drugs and alcohol. It's because they feel a lack of connection in their lives to other people. We're not wired to be isolated and alone. We're, We're wired to be in tribes and to be connected. And so if, if something as crazy strong and powerful and detrimental as addiction can be solved by meaningful connection, imagine the other things that could be solved in the world if we had more meaningful connection. Wow, that was awesome. Did you all get that? Did you all, <laughs> I just want to know if you all got that. <laughs> I love you, Donnie. I absolutely love it. Oh, my it. God. All right, so you guys heard my take on Jason. You heard Jason speak, okay? So Jason, if they want to get a hold of you, which I've been working with Jason for, it's going to be a year this year, like in September, maybe? Yeah, July, July, July. It'll be a year in July. And Jason, Jason, really, you really taught me about self-leadership. Mm-hmm. You really did. You really did. I remember our first call. Yeah, I'm not going to say it anything. <laughs> say anything out loud oh my god lord jesus this is good right because i have a measurement of growth i have a measurement of growth <laughs> yes measure your growth yes the doctors usually yeah. measure my growth, so he, yeah. actually i think i surprised you on the call with what i did i was like yeah we're on the plane and i just you know and you were like you did what <laughs> I, I, I loved you then. I love you now. I, I think you were amazing because you—that's the thing about you. I'm just gonna do it if I don't do it. Yeah, but here's the, here's the thing about you though that I love, and this is really this is such a beautiful lesson in in, in transformation and growth. Is you have to be willing to just get out there and do the thing, and whether it works or not, come back for feedback and then do the thing again. Yeah, you're so great about that. You're so open. Like I'm just gonna do the thing, and if the thing doesn't work. I'm going to try and do the thing a different way. And like that level of resilience, that is a growth mindset. That is self-leadership. So you were already a badass when you came to start working with us. I'm just that we made the incremental shift for you because you're, you're incredible. Thank you. Thank you. So Jason, so whoever wants to reach out to you, how can, how can they wear, give us your info? So if you're in LA, I hang out at the Walgreens on the corner of Lincoln and Washington. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be the one out front eating some Haribo. Like, Are you a thing? 
Oh, Panera is my thing. Panera, the closest Panera to me is like 15 minutes away, which doesn't sound like a lot, but in LA, that's like seven hours. Uh, so, but Panera is my thing. They actually just reopened the dining room. So I'm very excited about that. Best places to find me are on Facebook and Instagram everywhere. I am uh, at the Jason Goldberg, like T H E the Jason Goldberg because Jason Goldberg was taken. So I had to get a pretentious sounding mm-hmm. name. And for your people, Donnie, I will give you a special link. So if they want to get a free copy of prison break, they can get a free copy of the book, digital copy, audio copy, or if you're in the States, you can pay a couple bucks shipping and handling and I'll ship you an actual physical copy. Uh, so I'll give you that so your people can check that out as well. Thank you. And can, can they also have a year supply of bacon? They can have, well, I mean, they have to share with me. So I mean, <laughs> they can come to my house and cook the bacon and then we can share it. How about oh, that? Oh, really? Guys, I'm trying, I'm trying to work. I'm trying to leverage here. I'm trying to leverage. He's not working with me. That's all right. <laughs> I'm so uncooperative. No, that's awesome. Well, Jason, thank you so much for your time, for your wisdom, for your knowledge, for your heart, your brain, all, all that good stuff. All right, thank you, Mama. I think I thanked your Mama one time. It was Mother's Day or something. I said, thank you, Mama. <laughs> I actually remember. I think it may have been her birthday. Yeah, uh, I was like, day. thank yeah. you. Like, let's, let's be for real, okay? Let's get to the source. Mama G, Mama Goldberg. Man. <laughs> I, I'm I'm seriously so honored to come on. I so appreciate all the work you do. I love if people are, if people listening to this are not reading your content as well on Facebook, they need to read it. It's you write so beautifully, and it just feels I feel you and everything that you write. Uh, I just love your your personality and your your edgy and your fun, and you got a pit rescue and everything about you is just amazing. So I am honored to be here, and I and please keep doing the work you're doing in the world because you are an amazing coach and an amazing. All right. Thank you. That was beautiful. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Boldly Lit and On Fire Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend. And if you haven't already, subscribe, rate, and review the show on your favorite podcast player. If you have any questions, comments, or feedback, please reach out to me directly at boldly.lit at gmail.com. Thanks for tuning in.